Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. He wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even now, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Why did he weep? Because they would not let him nourish them. And then the Lord Jesus lamented lamented over over, over their, their, their rejection of him, over their refusal, over when they said no. And he mourned over it and that they would not let him nourish them. And that's when he cried out in Luke 13, 34, Luke 13, 34, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hand doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. That's a picture of an attempt to nourish a hand gathering chickens. Why? Why was he lamenting? Because they would not let him nourish them. And then when he spoke in parables to them, he was giving these analogies to them about it, which really centered on their refusal to let him nourish them. When he said in Matthew 22, 1, Matthew 22, 1, Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, just like he sent the disciples out. And they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, first he sends 12, then he sends 70. And he sent other servants saying, tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. They mocked him. Oh, if thou be the son of God. They mocked him, and he knew the danger that they were putting themselves into by not letting him nourish them, as it says in in, in Hebrews 12.25. Hebrews 12.25 says, See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. And he tries to nourish them, because he knew what, that they only had this really short golden opportunity. They only had this window of opportunity here to respond to him. And after that, it was going to be too late. It was going to be too late. Just like it was too late. And it is and as a principle that's spoken in Proverbs 124. In Proverbs 124, it says, it's God speaking, Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand. And no man regarded. 
But you said it not, all my counsel, would none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me and I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. That is the worst condition for man, to pray, to be sincere, to cry out to God with all of his heart, and the door's shut. There is no response. There's no answer. And that's what he's describing here. Why? Because during this golden opportunity time, when they had a chance, when they had an opportunity to respond to God, and they laughed it off and said, no. Then when trouble comes, then, oh, they want to be saved. They really want. But God says, sorry, door is closed. See, it says in Proverbs 13, 18, Proverbs 13, 18, poverty and shame shall be to him that refuses an instruction, refuses instruction. Just like it says in Daniel, in Daniel it says that many that sleep in the earth shall awake to shame and contempt. And it says in Proverbs 15.32, Proverbs 15.32, he that refuseth instruction despises his own soul. He's hurting himself. And it broke the Lord's heart when he realized this. He broke the Lord's heart when his family would not let him nourish them, like Joseph's family let him nourish them. And he, because he knew what was awaiting them. He knew what was awaiting them, as it says in Hebrews 2.3. Hebrews 2.3 says, how should, we, how should we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? So he so much tried to nourish them. He so much tried to protect them because he knew what was awaiting them. Hebrews 10.27, Hebrews 10.27, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much sore punishment suppose you shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite Unto the Spirit of grace. For we know that he has, that we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So, this is the worst thing that Israel did that when they rejected and refused their heavenly Joseph, who, when he tried to nourish them, and there's just a graphic picture of what, what this means of what they did in Zechariah 7.11. Zechariah 7.11 kind of gives a picture of this when it says, Zechariah 7.11, but they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it's come to pass as he cried, and they would not hear. So they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among all nations whom they knew not. Thus the land was desolate after them that no man passed through nor returned, for they laid the pleasant land desolate. Now there's a picture there. There's a picture there that's given for what it looks like for those who refuse the Lord Jesus, who is trying to nourish and protect them from hell. And the picture is called, they pulled away the shoulder. 
They just pulled their shoulder away. I mean, what a picture that is. Can't you see a person just just uh, pulling his shoulder away and say, get your hands off me. When a person is trying to come to them and say, friend, let me try to help you, and he pulls his shoulder away, says, don't touch me. And what does that leave them as they pull their shoulder away? Like we said in Hebrews 10.27, leaves them, Hebrews 10.27, with a certain fearful looking for of judgment of fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. But what's great is that even though his people, the Jewish people, have rejected the, the, the Lord Jesus who, who, and refused to let him nourish and protect them, what's great is Romans 11.2. And Romans 11.2 says, God has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. So he hasn't cast them away, and that means that there will be a repeat. There will be a, there will be a repeat a time coming when those alive will respond and they will let him nourish and protect them when he comes back the second time to earth and saves Israel from all the nations that have come against them in Zechariah 14.3. Zechariah 14.3 describes, then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And when that happens, then they're going to let him nourish them and, and protect them as it says in in, in Zechariah 13.9, Zechariah 13.9, I will bring the third part through the fire. We'll refine them as silver is refined and we'll try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name. I will hear them. I will say, it's my people. And they shall say, the Lord is my God. The Lord Jesus is my God. And that's gonna be a repeat of history when the heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus, is gonna come back to earth for the second time, only this time it's gonna be totally different. Totally different because this time the Jewish people will allow their heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus, to nourish and protect them. Now, this brings us again to the importance of this sequence that we see in these verses here in Genesis 47, verses 11 through 26. 11 through 26, where first Joseph's family is nourished and cared for, and then the Egyptians are nourished and cared for. After the heavenly Joseph's Heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus, the people of the heavenly Joseph, the people of the the Lord Jesus, the Jewish people, after they are cared for, then the world is cared for. And after we have that scene where they are cared for by him protecting them from their enemy, from all the nations come against them, then we have Zechariah 8.22. Zechariah 8.22, which says, yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold of out of all na- languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go you with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So this is the sequence here, where Israel is saved first, and then the world is saved. And this is what's being taught in, in Psalm 67, Psalm 67, one and two. It's very interesting when you look at it and you just, you just clarify one word. It's the word us. So Psalm 67, one says this, God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah. So just stop and think about that a little bit. Verse two that thy way may be known upon the earth, thy saving health 
among all nations. Now, it becomes really clear this psalm here when you just substitute the word us for the word Israel because that's who the us was. And then it reads like this, Psalm 67.1. God be merciful unto Israel and bless Israel and make his face to shine upon Israel that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. So it's as God is being merciful and blessing Israel as he's making his face to shine upon Israel, then there's saving health that comes to all the nations. So that's showing us that the rescue of the world from their ruin, their spiritual ruin, is tied to the rescue of Israel from its ruin. And this is the sequence that's in, that's why it's so important here in um, Genesis 47, 11 through 26. But we see this also in Romans eleven twelve. Romans eleven twelve says, now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? In Romans eleven fifteen, Romans eleven fifteen says, if the casting away of them be the reconcili- reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? So this sequence is so important because it's also seen in one of the most popular verses in the Bible and in Isaiah chapter 2, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. But really, you have to look at that in the context of the verse before it, Isaiah 2, verses 3 and 4. In Isaiah 2, verse 3 and 4, it reads like this. Many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from judgment. How comes the famous verse? And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Now, that verse is very famous, especially the last part. Very famous, where it says, nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. In fact, in Hebrew, there's a song. It's a very nice song, because you can sing it in two ways. You can sing it as a prayer, and you, or, you know, like, I don't want this, I don't want nation to lift up sword against nation anymore. I don't want them to learn war anymore. May that not be. Or you can sing it, you, you can sing it as, as, a, as, a, as a rejoicing. You sing it as a prayer. Lo yisa goy el goy cherev, lo yilmeldu od milchama, lo yisa goy el goy cherev. Kind of mourning. Lo yilmeldu od milchama. Lo yisagoy el goy chereb, lo yilmedu od milchama. Lo yisagoy el goy chereb, lo yilmedu od milchama. So that's kind of like a prayer, or it's also sung kind of rejoicing. Lo yisagoy a goy chereb, lo yilmedu od milchama, and so forth. Now that verse, verse 4 there, is so important that verse 4 from Isaiah 2, it's on the outside of the United Nations building. And, 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 and that's remarkable, that that verse should be on the outside. It's like the mission statement for the for United Nations. But what's missing in that verse is verse 3. 
They only have verse 4 there in the UN building. And verse 4, what's remarkable is verse 4 starts with the word and. <laughs> so they've eliminated the part that it's an and to. And they've eliminated from the building verse 3 that says that God will first rescue Israel before he rescues the world for which the United Nations has been formed, the rescue of the world. So with, with no verse 3 on the outside of the UN building, the UN inside has voted 97 times to condemn some country in the world. And 83 times, or 86% of those times, it was condemning Israel. So, so the UN is trying to have verse 4 of nations shall not lift up sword against nation, shall learn war no more, without verse 3. And it hasn't worked. And the UN has not been able to, to see verse 4 happen, which is what they want to, of nation not lifting up sword against nation, and they've not been able to see nations not learning war anymore. Why? Because they ignore verse 3. Verse 3, when it says that people must go to the house of the God of Jacob to be taught of God's ways and paths, and they must go for the word of the Lord for, to Jerusalem, and that, and that has to happen before nation will not lift up sword against nation and, and, and nations do not learn war anymore. And that's why the sequence is so important in this, in this Genesis 47, 11 through 46, 26. Because where you have verses 11 and 12, which is Jacob's family, or Joseph's family, being nourished first, and then the Egyptians are nourished in verses 13 through 26. Now, verse 13 describes a very desperate situation for in Egypt. When we read in verse 13, in Genesis 47, 13, there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. Now, when you read that in verse 13, there was no bread in all the land. It raises an important question of why? Why was there no bread in all the land? Why was there no bread in all the land of Egypt? How could all the land of Egypt, all the land of Egypt, find themselves in that terrible situation of no bread? What happened? What happened? And the answer of what happened is obviously the Egyptians did not prepare for the famine. Well, that raises another question. Could they have? Could the Egyptians have prepared for the famine? Was there enough food during the years of plenty for them to have prepared for the famine? Well, let's see if they could have. Now, the description of the, the crop that came there it, it, for during the seven years, the bumper crop, is in uh, Genesis 41, 47. Genesis 41, 47 says, in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls, handfuls. Now, what does that mean, handfuls? Well, you get an idea when you go down to verse 34 of Genesis 41:34. Genesis 41:34 is where Joseph said, 41:34, "Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land in the seven plenteous years." The fifth part, what percentage is that? That's 20%. So, take up 20%. So he's gathering only 20% of the harvest. And he's doing this during the years of plenty, and that 20% is going to be enough 
during the years of famine to feed not just Egypt, but all the people that came into Egypt also. So if 20% was enough for the famine, how much did that leave the Egyptians? 80%. And how much did they need to have to live on that current year? Same as what they had for them, 20%. They needed 20%. So they, 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 they gather up all this harvest. They give 20% to Joseph, and they've got 80%. They obviously need 20% to live on themselves. What's that left over, leave over? 60%. They had 60% that was excess. And, and, and they could have saved. That's three times more than they needed. They only need 20% per year but they've got 60% as excess. Could they have stored up for themselves? Absolutely. They could have stored up three times what they needed during the years of famine. And the amazing thing with this is that they didn't. None of the Egyptians stored up any of that excess for the years of famine. That's amazing, isn't it? And now that we've seen that the Egyptians had three times more than what they needed to store up, That raises the question, why didn't they do that? Why not? Why didn't any Egyptian make a personal store for their family for the coming years of famine? The answer, what? They didn't believe. That's the obvious answer. They didn't believe. The obvious answer. They thought, well, there was only one or two things. One was, one possibility was, Joseph's doing it. Why bother? (laughs) <laughs> the, the government will take care of me. You know, right? Social Security won't fail. And um, just let the government take care of me. Or really, they didn't believe. They didn't believe the Joseph. Now, think about that. They didn't believe. Isn't that the way it is today with the gospel? That with the gospel, it's preached everywhere. The gospel, it's like we're in Egypt during the years of plenty. And during these years of spiritual plenty, there's so much preaching. There's so much opportunity. There's so much opportunity because every day is as 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Behold, now is the day. Uh, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. It's like saying, now is the time of plenty. Now is the opportunity to be saved. Now is the time to prepare for the spiritual famine of death. So it was so much preaching on the need to be saved. Why is it that everybody's not getting saved? It's because, well, maybe they think like, well, God's just going to take care of me without me becoming a follower, a believer of the Lord. Uh, I'll just rely on that. Or maybe really they don't believe. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. 
You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Join us for the Taste of Creation silent auction and fundraiser for the Creation and Earth History Museum, Israel Restoration and Friendship with God Ministries on Saturday, July 14th at 6 p.m. Enjoy an amazing evening of fantastic food, music, prizes, and a special message by Ministry President Tom Cantor and guest speaker Frank Sherwin. Your participation and support of this fun-filled evening helps sustain these vital ministries to equip future generations and promote the furtherance of the gospel message. Register today at www.tasteofcreation.com. That's tasteofcreation.com. <laughs> 